last week on the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg, I addressed the issue of Jesus versus some of the mythological stories that accuse Jesus of being a copycat messiah. And we came to the conclusion that there is hard evidence for the existence of a real Jesus. Now, today, what we're going to do in the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg is we're going to deal with Jesus from the perspective of other religious leaders. With perennialism and religious pluralism and religious pluralization on the hot corners of our culture, we really need to know how Jesus stacks up against some of the key figures in religious histories. So let's get real about the real Jesus and who he is in comparison and contrast to other religious leaders. And you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. A little opening different. Uh, music, uh, we'd like to mix it up a little bit, and that's exactly what we're doing. And I want to thank you for listening. By the way, uh, I want to let you know that if you're looking for RobLundbergApologetics.com, I want to let you know that that URL is has been changed. It's now RobLundberg.org. I, that's right. I, I have my old... URL back. If you were listening to our podcast back in 2011, 2010, which probably not many of you were, if you did, I'd like to know if uh, you were listening to us way back then. That was, oh gosh, almost 10 years ago. And it was a great Jay Warner Wallace in 2017 that got me back into podcasting. So uh, probably none of you were listening to podcasts back then. But anyway, nevertheless, we uh, we had the uh, the roblundberg.org URL. So I uh, want to let you know that right out front so you can go there and just look up roblundberg.org and you'll be able to uh, get uh, all the information that you need about our ministry, about who I am, and also the Twitter feeds on podcasts and also the link to the podcast as well. I'll be put, probably putting a podcast page on hopefully by uh, January 1st, which then we'll have the feeds and everything for the podcast as well. You can also catch us on iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts, I should say, and then also several other different platforms, including Anchor FM, which where we go and la- launch this feed from. So last week we dealt with the issue of Jesus versus the mythological characters that were well, later and they were also found to be mythologies as opposed to the Jesus of history. This week and next, what I want to do is I want to address the, the, the characteristics of Jesus and who Jesus is in contrast to key religious figures in history. Now, this week, I want to deal with Jesus from the perspective of who Moses is and who Moses was. And then I also want to address Socrates and then also Buddha. So, you know, Buddhism is a big competitor to Christianity today. And I want to let you know that because of that, we need to understand that there's a huge difference between Jesus and Moses Jesus and Socrates, and Jesus 
and, and the Buddha. So let's get started. You know, some of the deepest thinking things that go on with regards to religious pluralism and pluralization. Remember, pluralism is the fact that there's all kinds of religions that are out there that are equal. Religious pluralization, though, is that there's a competing number of worldviews and no one worldview is dominant. That is the nerve or the attitude towards religious pluralism. And then, of course, I mentioned in our introduction that there's this thing called perennialism. And perennialism is going to be something that you're going to hear probably in a conversation, some perennialistic ideology that will be along the lines of something like this, you know, that there are many, many religions out there, and that there is a central truth in every religion that is common among all the religions, and that way you can know that all the religions point to the same path by that one particular thread. Now, that's a reductionistic fallacy, number one. Number two, I think what I'm going to hope to prove this week and next is that Jesus is uniquely different. And by the fact that Jesus being uniquely different, we're going to see that that perennialistic and that religious pluralism and pluralization do not meet the test of truth. So let's get started with that. Now, when we first start talking about comparing religious leaders, what I want to do, in all fairness, to our Jewish friends, because, you know, I like Moses. Uh, Moses was and is revered by many Orthodox and conservative Jews. I'm not sure how the Reform or the liberal Jews think of him, whether they believe this was just a parable or whatever. But nevertheless... I want to take and introduce Moses to Jesus and Jesus to Moses. Of course, I know they know each other already. Moses was gathered with his fathers and all. But when we compare Jesus with the great religious thinkers, and actually comes on the heel of many conversations that I have had in the past. The fact that, you know, when you talk about Jesus, and sometimes when you talk about Jesus, when you bring Jesus into the picture, sometimes they'll go, so, well, wait a minute, where did he come from? And then, of course, they start talking about Jesus. And, of course, we talked about the mythologies last week, or they just think that he's one of the boys and one of the religious teachers, one of the great men of religions. But, again, the whole purpose of this show today is to do a compare and contrast on who Jesus is. And we're going to talk about Moses first. So who was Moses? Well, we know that Moses is found in uh, the Old Testament. We know that Moses wrote, if you are conservative evangelical like I am, we believe that Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and a good chunk of Deuteronomy until he died. And, and, and Deuteronomy 32 is where we see that beginning to happen as well. But what we really need to understand first off is that Moses is not the founder of the Jewish faith. That's right, I said it. Moses is not the founder of the Jewish faith. And I know that we have passages in the New Testament, in the Gospels, where the Jewish religious leaders say we have Abraham. And of course, Abraham was actually the founder of the nation of Israel. And Abraham's dates are circa 2000 BC, about 600 years before Moses even lived. Now, Moses was both Hebrew thinking 
and Egyptian thinking. He was born into a Hebrew family while they were in Egypt, and he was reared by the daughter of Pharaoh to be a prince. Now, after learning of his Hebrew heritage, he killed an Egyptian and then fled to become a shepherd. It was at this time that God would call him to free his people at Mount Sinai. Now, Moses is the author of the first five books of the Old Testament, known as the Pentateuch or the Torah, Numbers, and a great portion of Deuteronomy, as well as Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. Now, Moses is often called the lawgiver because he was the one who received the law at Sinai. Uh, He was the one who engaged God himself at Mount Sinai. And being a Jew himself, Jesus had no argument with Moses, the prophet who brought the Jewish law and was faithful to Yahweh, even in bringing the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage as an independent nation. Many Muslims would say that Jesus and Moses were prophets, and I would agree with that statement. However, there is a uniqueness that takes them beyond even the level of a prophet. Now, Moses and Jesus were prophets of the same God, and Jesus even said that he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He also came to not destroy the prophets. He came to fulfill them. And those are all uh, summarized by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Now, Jesus does imply that Moses' words are God's words. He said this in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 5, in conjunction with Genesis 2, verse 24. And at the same time, we do find that Jesus is superior to Moses in a few ways. Well, let's talk about first how Jesus is unique to Moses. Jesus uh, and Moses. So Moses predicted Jesus' coming, and that's in Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19, where he predicted that God would raise up a Jewish prophet with a special message from God. Anyone who did not believe this prophet would be judged by God. And this passage has been traditionally interpreted as referring to the Messiah. And of course, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it is also understood by many to refer to the Messiah or Jesus being the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. Now, Jesus had a superior position. Jesus' position, Moses was the greatest of Old Testament prophets, but Jesus was more than a prophet. As the book of Hebrews tells us, Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for the testimony of things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house. That's Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Now, while Moses served God, Jesus declared to be the son of God with the right rule over all servants. Now, Jesus' miracles are also superior in that Moses certainly did perform great miracles in the same manner of the kind that Jesus performed. But Christ's miracles were even greater in degree because Moses lifted up a bronze serpent to give healing to those who would look, but never made the blind see or the deaf to hear as Jesus did. Also, there is nothing in Moses' ministry to compare 
with the resurrection, as Jesus' resurrection. Let's remember also that Jesus' claims were superior to Moses. But simply put, Moses was not God, but Jesus is fully God, fully man as well, 100% of both. Moses never made the claim to be God and didn't neither did he do anything other than fulfill his role as a prophet. Jesus did claim to be God and provided miraculous evidence to prove it. So as we can see, Moses definitely was a great leader and a prophet of Israel. While Moses was a servant of the Lord, he never got to see the promised land. But I do believe that when he died on Mount Nebo, it was God who buried him and took care of his body. And Jesus shows prophecy by Moses fulfilled. Jesus ultimately made the greatest sacrifice by dying on the cross. But not only that, he rose from the dead three days later. Therefore, I have to conclude, and I hope you would too, that Jesus is by far superior to his servant, Moses. Let's look at the next one. And that is Jesus and Socrates. You know, both of those men were really, really, really smart. So the question then is, I'm not sure how well students are taught about Socrates in, in Western civilization or history. But Socrates was born around 470 BC when the Greek Empire was definitely flourishing. His parents were wealthy and he was well-educated in philosophical matters. He began his campaign to teach truth and write when he heard from the oracle of Delphi that he was the wisest man in the world. Socrates was sure that this could not be true, but after speaking with many other wise men, he, con he concluded that it must be true because he was the only one who knew that he was not the wisest man in the world. However, when you stack it up against Jesus, Jesus is supremely and clearly superior in many respects. Now, what do we have for Socrates' writings? Well, let me just say this, that Socrates did not leave any writings, but Plato, his disciple, wrote a great deal about him, though these accounts may reflect as much as Plato's thoughts of Socrates. Plato presents Socrates as a man convinced that God has appointed him the task of promoting truth and goodness by making the examination of words and deeds to see if they were good and true. Vice, in his opinion, was merely ignorance and knowledge led to virtue. He is credited as the first man to recognize the need to develop a systematic approach to discovering truth though the system itself was ultimately formulated by Aristotle, who was a disciple of Plato. Similar to Christ, Socrates was condemned to death on the basis of false accusations by the authorities who were threatened by his teaching. He could have been acquitted if he had not insisted on making his accusers and judges examine their own statements and lives, which they were unwilling to do. Sound familiar? Hmm. Uh, he was also, uh, uniquely enough, he was content to die, knowing that he had carried out his mission to the end, and that death, whether a dreamless sleep or a wonderful fellowship of great men, was good. 
So the question now is, where does Jesus come in on all this? How does he stack up? Uh, does Is he superior to Socrates? Well, let me say uh, indubitably yes, and let me explain. Despite Socrates' conclusions that it must be true because he was the only one who knew that he was not the wisest one in the world, Jesus is still superior in the following ways. Jesus had a superior basis for truth. Like Socrates, often used questions to make men examine themselves, but Jesus's, but Jesus's basis for knowing truth about men and God was rooted in the fact that he was all the he was the all-knowing God. He said of himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me in John chapter 14 and verse 6. He was in his very being the fount from which truth, or which all truth ultimately flowed. Likewise, as God, he was the absolute goodness by which all other goodness is measured. He once asked a young man to examine his words by saying, Why do you call me good? That no one is good but God alone. That's in Mark chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus was the ultimate truth and the good which Socrates wanted to understand. Secondly, Jesus gave more credit. Uh, I'm sorry, Jesus gave more certain knowledge of the truth. While Socrates taught many true principles, he often was left to speculate about many important issues, such as what happens at death. Jesus, on the other hand, gave as sure answer to such questions because he had sure knowledge of a man's destination, where Reason, in the case of Socrates, was insufficient. Evidence to make a definite conclusion, revelation from Jesus gives answers that would otherwise would not be known. Jesus is also the only one who has died and come back to tell us about it and what happens after this life is over. Jesus' death was more noble than Socrates. Now, Socrates died for a cause and did so with courage, which is certainly to be commended. However, Jesus died as a substitute for sinners, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, to pay the penalty that they deserved. Not only did he die for those who were and are his friends, but also for those who were and would remain his enemies. And that's based on Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. So such a demonstration of love cannot be equaled by any philosophy or a philosopher. Jesus' proof also, uh, he gave proof of his message, and that was superior to that of Socrates as well. Rational proofs are good. And of course, you know, we have the Kalam cosmological argument, the argument from creation. We have the teleological and ontological arguments, the one from design and one from being. We also have the moral argument for the existence of God. But none of those actually prove God's existence. Now, we have those arguments. But when we talk about the, the fact of rational proofs, all these are good. 
and they are sound evidences for their conclusions. But Socrates cannot support his claim to be sent by God with anything that compares to the miracles and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. In these facts, there is a superior proof that Jesus' message was authenticated by God the Father as true, and Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. And if we have the Word of God, we have a true message from God on how we should then live. And folks, no philosopher or philosophy can match the teachings and the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what makes Jesus unique from Socrates. Now, let's look to the East with one of those religions that was a response to Hinduism, Gautama Buddha. Now, Buddhism is very, very popular. It's one of those religions where you think that you can do good or be good without God. Buddhism is essentially atheistic. Now, whether we realize it or not, people today from the West are taking a look and embracing some of the varying forms of Buddhism. You know, you think of celebrities like Richard Gere or Orlando Bloom or Goldie Hawn or Kate Hudson, along with others, are some influences that are attracting people to this Eastern world religion. This part of our, our show today, I want to talk to you by taking a, a brief look at a key figure of Buddhism and examine him also with the life and work of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, the question is, who was Buddha? Who was the Buddha? Now, Siddhartha Gautama Buddha, who became the Buddha, was born around 560 BC to an upper-class family. His early years were very comfortable and sheltered, and it would not be until that he was in his 20s or so before he realized that there was a great evil and suffering in the world. In order to find some answers to this problem, he studied from the Hindu masters and practiced asceticism for a brief time, realizing both the extremes of indulgence and asceticism to be futile, he chose the middle path of meditation. And one day, while he was meditating, he said to have gained great enlightenment and reached the state of nirvana, his writings and sayings that are attributed to him as the Buddha were written approximately 400 years after his death. Now, this being said, there's really no way of knowing if his writings were reliable or not, unlike those of the Bible. Now, Gautama Buddha died of food poisoning somewhere around 480 BC. Now, his teachings and his title, Siddhartha Gautama, Buddha is the title meaning of an enlightened one, developed a religion that was quite different from Judaism and Christianity. In fact, Buddhism began as his response and reformation of things he disagreed with in Hinduism. According to Gautama, Hinduism had become a system of speculation and superstition. To correct this, Gautama rejected the rituals and occultism and developed an essential atheistic religion, though later forms of Buddhism returned to the Hindu gods. His basic beliefs were summed up in the Four Noble Truths, and those are 
All life is suffering. Suffering is caused by desires or for pleasure and prosperity. Suffering can be overcome by eliminating desires, and desires can be eliminated by the Eightfold Path. What is the Eightfold Path? This Eightfold Path is both a system of religious education and moral precepts in Buddhism. It includes right knowledge, the Four Noble Truths, right intentions, right speech, right conduct, in other words, no killing, drinking, stealing, lying, or adultery, right occupation, none of which cause suffering, right effort, right mindfulness, which is the denial of the finite self, and right meditation, also known as Raja Yoga. Now, the goal of all Buddhists is not heaven or being with God. There is no God in Gautama's teaching. Instead, the goal is to seek nirvana, which is the elimination of all suffering, desires, and illusion that self exists. In other words, you don't exist, I don't exist, and that is the goal to attain that type of knowledge. Now, my only question is, if you don't exist, who's listening to the show? That's just a little joke. There are two major branches in Buddhism, one of those being more liberal than the other. The Mahayana school is a more liberal branch of Buddhism, which now exists and deifies Gautama and thinks him as the savior of Mahayana Buddhism. Uh, the Theravada school of thought and Theravada Buddhism stays closer to Gautama's teachings and maintains that he never, ever claimed divinity. Now, as to being a savior, it is reported that Buddha's last words were, Buddhas do not point the way, work out your salvation with diligence. Now, as you know, that there's a huge difference between Jesus and Buddha. And it looks like I'm going to run over 30, 30 minutes, but that's okay. I'll finish up with this one, and we'll continue next week. But what makes Jesus superior to Gautama Buddha? As a variant form of Hinduism, Buddhism is subject to all criticism that will be mentioned in in this uh, presentation here. Now, folks, Jesus teaches hope in life. While Buddhism sees life only as suffering and selfhood as something to be eradicated, Jesus taught that life is a gift of God to be enjoyed, John chapter 10, verse 10, and that the individual is to be honored supremely, Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. Furthermore, he promised hope in, in the life to come, John chapter 14, and verse 6. And folks, this is surely better than nirvana, the elimination of desire and the self that Gautama taught. Jesus also teaches a better salvation. Buddhist teaching that one follows the teachings in the Eightfold Path will ultimately attain salvation via a series of reincarnations, rebirths, of the previous life. A birth is a rebirth of a, of a past life. So to Buddhist, reincarnation means salvation. However, in this form of the self or individuality, the soul is eradicated at the end of each life. So even though the Buddhist might live on, it is not the person as the individual who was any has any hope of attaining nirvana. And that's the deception in it. Jesus promised to change a person's being and bring forth an individual hope to which each man has an individual salvation. For example, Jesus at his crucifixion said to one of the thieves on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise, which means God's presence. Jesus also teaches his own deity. Lastly, again as a last word here on this subject, um, 
uh, with regards to the empty tomb, the last word on the subject is that is spoken about Jesus is the empty tomb, which proves Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. Gautama Buddha made no such claim and offered no proof that it was the case. He simply wanted to point the way for others to follow him to selfless nirvana. Now, each individual Christian who has been born from above, in other words, that's born again, being born from above, being made new spiritually, their being has been changed and will be in a real heaven in the presence of God who exists. Folks, Buddhism does not offer that hope that Christ offers a changed being that has been converted from a sinner to a saint with the promise of the hope of the resurrection. Buddhism leads one down the eightfold path essentially to nowhere, but Jesus gives us real life. You have been listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. We've dealt with three major religious figures. We dealt with Moses, and we talked about how Jesus is superior to Moses. We talked about Socrates, who's a philosophical figure and a great philosophical man he was, but Jesus is superior. And then, of course, the most one of the most competitive religions right now to Christianity and Buddhism, we see Jesus superior to Gautama Buddha. If you have any questions, you can email us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. Also, if you have any questions, you want to know more about this ministry, you can go to roblundberg.org and you can go and check out our website. There's a comments link to contact us. If you want to go and send us a comment or ask a question, please go to that comment. We would love to be able to interact with you and engage your question about anything that you have heard on this podcast. As you go out this week, we are entering the month of December, This two days from now. We record on Sunday, and we um, we put it on Sunday, and you're listening to it on Monday on your way to work. If you are subscribing to our podcast, let us know that as well uh, by going and sending us an email or letting us know on Facebook, instant message, or even by going to our comment page and just letting us know that way. We'd love to hear from you. And so as you go out this week, you know, our culture is shifting. It's shifting drastically. We could very well have a president that is totally antagonistic toward the Christian faith as far as what he what he says. And his understanding of Christianity is a little different. I'm not going to get into that right now. I'm not going to get into anything until a inauguration day, a re-inauguration day, or whatever the case may be. But I want to let you know uh, we need to be praying for our current president, and if in the change, if there is going to be a change, we need to pray for that change as Christians. But nevertheless, you're going to have opportunity to talk to people about this stuff. As you do, make sure you listen to what you're, they make sure you listen to what they are saying. Listen carefully for the objection. Listen carefully for the hurt. Listen carefully for the pain and the problems that they might be going through, knowing full well that Jesus of Nazareth provides the ultimate solution. So as you go out this week, go out and give them heaven. And we'll be back with you next week, and we'll talk about how Jesus stands head and shoulders over other 
religious figures. <laughs> 